This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Later on, we will be discussing the services Stephen offers and where you can find him. discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Kathy Reid. And I'm Scarlett Maltman. And this week we are joined by Georgia Frost. Hiya. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. How are you guys? This is always the awkward bit because yeah. we've already met you. Yeah, before. I know, yeah. Let's just reintroduce ourselves to each other. Yes. Well, we're yeah. about to introduce you to our listeners, which I know that you're really excited about. Very, very excited. <laughs> so, Georgia graduated from Bristol Old Vic in 2017 and was the winner of the Alan Bates Award, as well as the Stephen Sondheim Performer of the Year in 2017, which won Best Song. Yes. Yes. Okay. Just don't want to no, say no, that no. I want yeah, yeah, yeah. I also seen you in that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you are you Um so on top of that, she also won the National Monologue Slam in twenty eighteen and has taken the industry by storm, appearing across the UK in various leading productions. Georgia is one third of the Gender Equality Movement for Actors, a collective devoted to promoting opportunity and visibility for female identifying and non binary actors and creatives. It's very quiet in the actress centre here, isn't it? Yeah. She is also one half of Otherland. <laughs> She's also one half of Otherland, a queer company soon to be presenting the queer season this April to June at the Tristan Bates Theatre. Wow, Ooh. there we go. How do you feel? Cool, yeah, I'm very sweaty right now because <laughs> we're in the middle of you a cafe and it's gone, very, it's gone very, very quiet. It's great, yeah. and you've done all that since graduating, which is yeah. it's madness. Yeah, it's been very cool. Quick. Yeah. yeah. So, should we play a game? Yeah, we oh always start God. off with a word association. Okay. So, first thing that comes oh into Oh, no, I'm really bad at this. Just Okay. I say really inappropriate things. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. We you love can that. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sort of, we put the little E beside, you know. Okay. okay. <laughs> First one, classic. A monster calls. Crying. Gemma. Okay. Uh, gender. Frosty. <laughs> All right. Equality. Needed. Bristol. Lovely. Happiness. Desired and great. <laughs> Creating. Um, fulfilling. Mount Everest. Too much. I've been watching some documentaries over <laughs> okay, okay. the weekend, so that's why that one popped okay, into my head. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Anxiety. Common. Groups of people who walk in straight lines across a space very slowly and you can't get by them. Questionable. <laughs> <laughs> so, Georgia, tell us a little bit about um, you and your background. What led you into the acting world? Oh, right. Uh, so, I I'm one of them stagey kids. So, I yeah. So, I my dad is uh, was. I mean, he's he's a bit like he's a bit like Chandler from Friends, where when I was younger, I didn't actually know what he did. So okay. I would tell everyone he was a director, but basically he he was the head of um, music teachers in the northwest for a while, and he also was a director of an Amdram theatre company. And my mum my mum was an English teacher, and she 
also acted and sang and everything like that. So then me and my brother grew up in that household and from very early on we were doing little shows in the front room and and I was often playing a lot of men, which is quite funny to look back on these pictures where I'm like I've got like my t shirt like you know when you put it like round your shoulders and you yeah, just like have yeah, all yeah. nipples out. Like yeah. as like a as like a six year old just like playing Aladdin or playing Dick Whittington or Love playing it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so me and my brother would often do that. He was he would more take charge, and I would just be like there, like okay. And uh, we'd get all the likes from the house, and like um, put like actually des- do like a lighting design of our play. Oh it was very ridiculous. So extra. I know it was a bit much. Wasn't it? <laughs> uh, so yeah, we were always interacting, um, and then we were in like youth theatres when we were younger, um, and yeah, it was, and then. From very early on, we, I was always very creative, so I'd always, like, I remember, like, in year five, I, I organised, like, a, an assembly, <laughs> which was, like, a, <laughs> it was an anti-smoking assembly, <laughs> and, uh, and we, like, did, like, uh, sketches, and, like, I changed the lyrics to I Will Survive to be about smoking, and YMCA was called, like, SSRN, which was Stop Smoking Right Now. Oh, my God, I And love we'd it. be, like, yeah, we did this whole thing. It was, like, a young man, don't you hate the smell? I said, young man, it doesn't make you feel well. <laughs> and then this is the worst bit. So I went to a Christian primary school. The next lyric was, don't start on the path to hell by trying to smoke a cigarette. I still remember do, it all. Yeah, do, and then, like, do. ten years later, I'm, I'm smoking. <laughs> so it was, like, it just was, like... Yeah, so I was really. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, I know. Got got a little bit bullied. That should be that in one, the charts. But, uh, that that's know, a beat. <laughs> I know. But um, yeah, so I was always doing things like that. Um, and then my brother was the same. He's three years older than me. He's also an actor. Um, and then as a teenager, it was just more of the same. And I took that as GCSE options and everything like that and then I went to but I was more into musical theatre yeah so where, where I grew up is actually um, Warrington which is just outside of Manchester so it was the sort of town that has like no real culture but it's like created by the people that are there like um, so we don't have we don't have theatre uh, we had like one cinema but that's like really far out west of, of it uh, and so I went to a youth group called Cody's and that was like where we all lots of kids like from around Warrington got together and we put on uh, Amdram performances um, but yeah so Warrington was a bit of a funny one because it, 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 we, we were in between Liverpool and Manchester so in terms of like being able to get out and uh, see theatre and see like you know I don't know more more city like yeah, stuff yeah. That, that we always had that access um, so yeah so I went to a, a college that was like semi sort of known for performing arts and stuff and then I at the time I was like definitely thought I was going to do musical theatre and I was like that is what I've been doing for years and I, and I auditioned for it and then I kind of realised when I was auditioning I was like I, I feel that and I might be wrong in this but I feel like you for women in musical theatre you have to be very good at dance like I, I, at the time I was just so hyper aware that I was not a dancer and 
um, and I just didn't feel right in in that training. So I was like, so I uh, so the next year I, I tried out for. Uh, drama schools and um, it took me three years to get in and I was on the reserves for Bristol Vic for two years so I kept like nearly getting in and then not and and like in my second year I like was so pissed off with the whole thing that I put that I got a tattoo on my forearm because I was like I'm not gonna be a blank canvas anymore and like I don't know it was, very, it was a bit of a reaction to it and then um, and now I'm like really proud of my tattoo but yeah it was a uh, and then eventually, yeah, I got in and then I went to Bristol. But I'd always had quite a strong connection with Bristol anyway because uh, we had family friends there. So yeah. it, I always felt this affinity to it. And over the years of me auditioning, I started to like not go back to certain places. And I was like, actually, do you know what? I don't think Lambda's for me. And I don't think Lambda's for me. And I don't think that is. So, and, and by the process of elimination, like by the end, by my third year trying, like I... I was going for courses I actually wanted to yeah. go for um, that felt more suited to me. So, and I'm glad I went when I did because I think I think I would have been right cocky shit if I'd have gone when I was 18. Yeah. If I'm honest, yeah, yeah. I think there was a lot of like self-assessment that went on in those years and a bit of sort of going. And also in that time, I also. You know, I produced and directed stuff in Manchester. I did more workshops. I moved to Manchester for a bit in with my friends and I found like a real like queer community there, which in terms of myself, like um, self-expression and like all that sort of thing really developed in that time. Cause I found this family and, and I'm so grateful to have them now. Um, so I think it was good for me to go when I was 22 yeah, to drama school. Definitely. Absolutely. What, would you, what advice would you give to someone that's maybe struggling to get into drama school in the same way maybe you did, getting getting quite close and, and struggling? So obviously that can have a huge yeah, for mental health. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, it, it's important to not like second guess what you think they're wanting you to be. I think I did a lot of that and I think a lot of people do a lot of that where they're like, oh, do you think that I should push this aspect of myself? And I'm like, I think you should just push you. Because of the more, I remember having advice to like push the pixie look because I've got like short hair. And I was like, I, I am not a pixie. Like I don't come across like a pixie. Like I'm not like really sweet and you know maybe I am really sweet I don't you're lovely no, I'm not, no but I no, but you know what I mean I'm not yeah. like cutesy like yeah, oh yeah, yeah. you know and um, and I think yeah not and, and just finding material that you actually enjoy doing yeah. rather than thinking it's going to do this or it's going to do that it's so hard though because those knockbacks are nine times out of ten absolutely nothing to do with you mm-hmm. and and when I got into drama school there were people in the year above me that I was I was like are they like really like further ahead than me or are they this this much better than me and the the short answer is no it's just that the fit of that those people at that time worked and you're like they wanted this type of person and this type of look and this and and sometimes it's just random and unfortunately you get left behind in that Mm -hmm. um but yeah I want to say like you know keep going and da da da, but like that is hard and financially that is such a strain yeah. and it's so unfair. Yeah. And and I'm sure like you guys have this as well, but like when you organise stuff and like 
now I've started organising scratch nights and everything like that. There are so many hungry actors out there that are wanting to work and everything like this. And it's no being an actor and do, and organising these things. I like feel such a weight of like knowing what they feel when they put yeah. themselves forward, and then the weight of that rejection and everything like that. So, whereas I think drama schools are more of an institution, and the people running it aren't actors, and so they it's all in a day's work a bit. Mm-hmm. Like I know that they feel some. You know, they respect people that they're saying no to, but like they're just trying to work, run a business essentially and put together the right people. And, and but yeah, yeah. it's yeah, difficult. Yeah. It's, it yeah. is difficult, isn't it? Well, I think your immediate success after drama school shows as well that you know, three years waiting, it was all worth it. So yeah, I, I it's, it's really nice that you describe it as success. I think like success is like a. I always, I always say to people that I feel like success is like just a personal thing. Yeah. Like I think like, um, you know, what, what, what my career has been up to now in some people's eyes might not seem very successful. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. cause there are some people that success to them is just a Netflix series or success mm. to them is, is that, that's yeah. that. Um, but like, I feel, I do feel like I, I've achieved stuff that that I feel good about and I and I wonder if I'd have graduated three years earlier than that if I'd have got in strong school straight away if I'd have been as proactive Mm. or if I'd have known myself or known yeah Yeah. what I want to do it's it's, but indeed it's very hard did you feel pressure um graduating such a prestigious school to get work straight away um I think I don't think that came from anyone else if I did feel mm-hmm. that I think that that's totally what what I, I mean that that final year build up is so in, intense mm-hmm. isn't it like mm-hmm. you're just like everyone's like talking about these enormous agents and these jobs and all these things and people are going up for things like you know loads of people in my year were doing self tapes for like mm-hmm. really big jobs and I wasn't mm-hmm. doing that and I was like okay cool um, but I, I only have a th- think that pressure came from myself mm-hmm. um yeah I don't think yeah, that yeah, that yeah. was anything to do with the school yeah. but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. awesome cool. right so what was the support system like at your drama school so the so Bristol is a very very small drama school and there were 14 people in my year that then joined with the two year which is 14 mm-hmm. people again so um, and overall I'd say there, there can't be more than 90 students in the whole thing and there's only sort of like 15 teachers mm. core teachers that are running that school so in terms of like the support system I think they really really tried and there are there were like there was like one counsellor when I was there attached to the school, but I think that there sometimes is an issue with one counsellor being attached to the school who then has to take in all this information from all these people that are connected in some way. I know that that's their job and they can, you know, they don't, it doesn't affect them, but I know from friends, they didn't want to go to that counsellor because they were like, well, my boyfriend's going to that counsellor and Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about the same thing. And, you know, so that being like the only outlet is quite tricky um i think that there's there's also a problem that like at universities there's lots of unions and stuff like that where you, you in terms of your like 
self-exploring like um, that you know if you have like an LGBT union or you have like a, a women's union mm. or a, a, a people of colour union or like you know like that sort of thing like it, it, it those communities can, can talk to one another so there was a lot of stuff like that that we had to sort of build as we were there sure. so um, a couple of lads when I was there like started a diversity group I started a, a women's group uh, called Nasty Women, yeah. which um, which was off the back of uh, the Harvey Weinstein thing. So yeah. that was in my final year. Um, and then since then, I know that other things have started, um, like an LGBTQ group has started yeah. there and everything like that, which is great. But it's still like such a small environment that in order for like there to be any anonymity, I think that's sort of the problem yeah. of, of, of being able to feel supported because you're kind of going I, I really need to talk about this and I really need to confide in people and find people with the same situation or find a counsellor but everyone knows everyone here yeah. so that's the only thing that I, there was a lot of communication like I was on the student council so we'd meet at, at lunchtime mm-hmm. like I can't remember three times a term or whatever and be like this is problem this is problem yeah. this is problem but again it's only a handful of people that are organising that school yeah. and yeah, it's tricky. I don't feel it was bad, but I think that... So, for instance, in my final year, I did um Sarah Kane play that was about suicide, and, and it kind of came off the back of me being incredibly busy uh, and, like, having lots of amazing opportunities. Like, I'd just done the Alan Bates, I'd just done the Sondheim, and then I did this play, which we had to rehearse in the evenings after school because I was also rehearsing a grad show in the day. And, and I, I, I ended up having to take uh, three days off school after it because I was like, this is such a dark subject and I've been so busy and that it's just all like got on top of me. And they were really accepting of that, but I, I still think that they don't vet the topics that they're doing and, and knowing that this might affect people. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think the support system the intention of a support system it was there yeah. but I'm I'm not sure that it could be uh, what's the word actually um, what's the word like more potential for yeah. it to grow yeah. kind of I, I yeah. just don't know if they ha- could have or are ever going to have yeah. the ability to really support people fully mm-hmm. the only thing that they I know that they have done now though is they've cut down on hours so they sure. they now only do till 5.30 and then they have half a day on Wednesday mo- for most of the years that's good what was it before? it was 8.30 till 6.30 Monday to Friday yeah and I know that they've done that as um, which the CDD the Conservative Office Dance and Drama uh, instigated that because yeah. of mental health mm. and they were like you're doing too many hours and people are going too mental there. Yeah, that's um, great that they so, that yeah, yeah, it's really brilliant. good. But it was interesting hearing the students there yeah. react to it and going, no, no, I want to work hard, I want to... And me having graduated and been like, no, 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 this is really good. Yeah. Because... Well, I suppose if you're paying all these yeah. money, all this um, money for school tuition and yeah. then they're cutting your hours and yeah. that, you're going to... But I... I yeah, but I do think it is quite important Absolutely. in terms of allowing people just to... And also people who have to work. There are people there who are working uh, in restaurants at night. And if they're working until 6.30, only getting to work at 7, 
and then back in. At the end of the day, it's going to benefit their craft. Yeah. At the end of the day, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And so, what is your relationship with mental health? Um. So it's it's always been a um. Mental health's been something that I've been aware of for a lot of years because it is the my family. There's there's some like has been some mental health issues in the past and stuff like that so I've grown up with a real awareness of anxiety and depression and stuff like that so it's never been a taboo subject for me um however I feel that in terms of my own relationship with mental health that's still something that I've like accepted can sometimes be problematic because I've always assessed it as like oh I know my friend is the one who has this or this family member is you know but over the years like I feel that I've developed a bit more of anxiety and stuff like that which is something that I've had to learn to accept is is sometimes a thing that flares up but definitely not a thing that I'm contracted to Um, but I think it's it's an interesting one because I think that there is a huge movement on mental health which is incredible but I, I often worry that we go around in circles with it and we sort of say like, oh yeah, you know, people have anxiety, yeah, yeah, everyone has anxiety, yeah, yeah. but it's not actually anything that's being catered for in the industry. Um, for instance, like when I did a Monster Calls, uh, we were offered counselling because it, the subject of it was about cancer. And I remember saying to my friend, I wonder if we would have been offered counselling if the subject was about depression like what what are the parameters of where we think this might mentally affect somebody uh, in this industry like what material do we count as being detrimental to people's mental health yeah and quite often women are playing are playing those parts like rape victims or you know my my partner she's graduating at the moment and the part she just played uh, was a rape victim who tries to commit suicide then performs her own her own abortion and that's all one character right and I literally said to her like you are playing a Greek tragedy yeah like you you are all the Greek tragedies in one or you're all the Shakespearean women in one and it's, some, it's something that I just feel is constantly really underestimated like in terms of what the baggage of I understand that we need to put those stories out of like being a rape victim or like whatever but there is always somebody at the helm of that that is having to go through that and think what it would be like yeah what would it be like to be in that situation what would it be like you know with suicide what would it be like to think about and that that's just insane like I know we have to talk about that, but like I feel like the burden is quite often put on women with that because you are the victim. So I, I just, in, with mental health in that sense, like I, I, I want to change the narrative with that and not necessarily be like, okay, men, you play it instead. But like, just like, can we find a way that we can talk about this? But it doesn't mean that there is a woman at the center of that that is having to play literally all those parts. Yes. Like, it's, um, so yeah, I feel like yeah, that was a bit more about the institute, but yeah, my own, no, my own relationship with it is like yeah, I think um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's something that needs to be talked about, but it's also something that um, I struggle to accept in myself sometimes, mm-hmm. that I just need to like take a day off or 
and work out how to take a day off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we are the social media age. Like how do you take a day off? Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, as we said at the start, you're one third of Gemma, which promotes opportunity for female identifying and non-binary actors and creatives. So can you tell us a little bit more about it? So Gemma started off the back of um, actually Alan Bates. Woohoo! <laughs> was um, basically. Um, when we were, when I was in the rounds going through it, I met Emily, who is who's also part of Gemma. And there was only like, I think we were in the second or third round, and I was like, there's only like 25% women here. And I was like, out of all the drama schools, that's representative of, of talent. Mm. Nah, do you know what I mean? I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. And then in the final, it was me and five men. So I was like, this is not realistic. This does no, not make sense. Yeah. And me and Emily had been like talking about this. And, you know, I'd noticed in our final year as well, like in terms of when we were meeting with agents and stuff like that. So at Bristol, you have agents come into the school because we're not in London and it's yeah, yeah. a way of getting people in. And um, I would notice such a difference in people's like, uh, like their the way they'd hold themselves or the way they were talking about the interviews and there was quite a gender disparity of like I, I felt like lads would just go in and like majority not all but yeah. most lads would go in and be like yeah I know what I'm doing here I am not not apologising anything like that and I'm a bit like that and that's, that's but then I'd speak to like some of the women in my year and they'd be more like what do you think I should do this and da, 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 da. you know I'm like second guessing what they were wearing or or their, their choices of models or they, and I was like this isn't right and then even like in terms of who then got representation when we graduated like all the boys got signed do you know what I mean and then like a couple of really 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 talented women didn't and then or you know in the interest I was just like this 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 doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. and we were just looking at the industry and me and Emily started chatting and we were like we should we should just form a group that does something about this and then Laura was in my year and we did nasty women at the school this the, the like discussion group and and so I got her on board and we were like right eventually we want to like create opportunities for women we want to do all this but in the meantime what can we do to just start like empowering women and like finding ways to just like empower ourselves and and then we thought of the podcast um and we'd like made a connection with polly kemp who does uh, equal representation for actresses and so she came in and we did like our first recording with her which ended up not being used because we didn't know what we were doing at the time <laughs> it makes like, you know like uh, so we redid hers like a month or two later but it was yeah, so that was our way of like connecting and hearing people's stories and just being like, okay, let's put this out to people and try and like empower women going into the industry. And it just went from there. And then, yeah, so we're just still like developing things and we've started a scratch night now. But it's such a good like, uh, it was so, the first one we had, like, it was such a nice like room of like, and, and we had like men there who were like, because it's called Too Many Men. Yeah, which is just like a pun on the Skepta song. Like it's not like supposed to be like yeah, get out, yeah, you yeah. bastards. Like it's just like, but they, um, but like people were saying like it was just 
it was nice because the material wasn't actually like one of my friends was like I thought all the material was just going to be like man painting and I was like no no women aren't writing just about man painting men like it's it's actually just writing stories because the, the, the I mean writing is so disproportionate now like when we speak to writers with podcasting like in general like the amount of that are actually commissioned is nowhere near equal like we're getting more representation in terms of women on stage but like the actual writers isn't it's not it's, it's getting there but it's nowhere near do you know what I mean directors and producers and all that yeah so like musical theatre yeah it's insane like it's just all it's basically run by men that is I, I was told if there's a willy, there's a way, and you'll if there's a willy, there's yeah, a way. and you will succeed better in this industry if you're a man. That's yeah. what I was told. That's, see, this is this is this rhetoric is shite. Sorry, no, that's it's really strong, it is. but it's like like this is the thing is when I went to Bristol on Vic at the time, it was six women and eight men in every year, or or even four women and eight men because they were like that reflects the industry, and I was like no it does no because you're just feeding into something that already yeah. exists but if you actually change that rhetoric from within and if you're more empowering and going yeah the moment where there's a willy there's a way but actually where there's a vagina there's a volcano do you know what i mean like isn't that a better thing that to say has to, to your be the students? title of your podcast yeah. <laughs> but isn't that isn't yeah. that a much better thing to say to somebody and this is what what we do with Gemma is we're, we're going like we need to stop changing this like accept it and just get on with it girls like be accommodating that's what we're told from like when we're born accommodate 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 but actually it's that 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 doesn't get you anywhere like you need to but it's not it's hard because it's such an integral thing that we're trying to undo yeah. to, to feel empowered and to and to be front-footed with stuff because it is in general against women's nature but it is something that needs to be encouraged and you should never be told that by somebody at drama school that's bullshit I was going to ask because um, you you offer um, opportunity to graduates and women who are literally coming full force into the industry yeah. um, which obviously is a huge thing because when I graduated after my first, like I was just completely lost and it's like well how am I meant to compete with people who have been in the industry for years yeah, how to get my face yeah. out there and yeah. that totally affected my mental health so it's brilliant that you're doing this um, how important do you think that visibility is for especially fresh young actresses coming into the industry? Um, I think that any opportunity can lead anywhere really like I I, um, I met with like some younger people who were in a, a foundation course the other, other week and I was just saying like quite often things that you don't really value or you're like oh well it's not this casting director it's not this like I, I really think that we networking happens all the time and the more that you can find yourself in a scratch night or doing a monologue competition or doing like all these different things that go on um, or just go attending them and speaking to people the more you can do that and connect with people the, the more your community will build and the more you'll, you will find opportunities within that like I think and also the what you it's good to sort of also question what you feel is worthy work as well because you know I did a children's show and off the back of that the director of Monster Calls came to see it and offered me 
role in that. Amazing. And often a lot of people would be like, I'm not going to do kids there. And actually, like, kids there is really important and really valuable. And you're like, you are, they're your, they're the biggest critics. Like, they will, they, they will show you when they don't like something. You know what I mean? Like, and they're your hardest audience. So I think that that's one of the best training you can get is to... Is and to, the most rewarding as well. Yeah. Because they love it. They yeah. absolutely love it. Totally. Totally. And I think um, I think it's really underestimated. But I think, yeah, I, it's, in terms of getting your face out there, it's, obviously it's good to have an agent and somebody who's pushing that as well. But I think trying to find the little nuggets of community yeah. within London and... and, and networking which yeah. everyone hates that word but in that way it doesn't always have to be like looking at the person above you it can be like looking at people sideways and yeah. knowing that there might be an opportunity there in the future or you can scratch their back and they'll yeah, scratch yeah, yours yeah. or you know it's it's just building friendships and stuff and not always seeing it competitively yeah. i think you know i when i've spoken to like my female friends in musical theater as well like the competitive nature that is taught to you or was at least when i was training is like uh, is insane like it's like dog eat dog go get it and I'm like oh my god like don't tear each other down like just everyone has their own journey do you yeah, know what I mean exactly, yeah exactly for sure for no, it's sure. brilliant so talking about like opportunity and like representation um, how do you think lack of visibility and representation from members of the LGBT community can affect someone's mental health a lot <laughs> yeah um, if you don't see yourself anywhere in film or television you know and this goes with racial diversity as well if you don't see yourself anywhere you you your your narrative doesn't exist and so you're constantly like for years and years and years like LGBT community um, have been having to see their own story in like heterosexual people like in in terms of rom-coms and everything like that you sort of have to paint on kind of your thing but it it does feed into you not feeling normal and you constantly are like no i am different i am i am not the norm therefore like i won't have that opportunity or i can't have a family or i can't have you know we're, we're essentially telling stories all the time in theatre and film and if none of those sto- if those stories don't have any of you existing in it how much you think about the mental work you have to do to feel okay with yourself and like to so I think that the representation like in terms of stories you know it's gotten a lot better um but there's a question about who is writing those stories and who is at the lens of that because the authenticity also matters. Um, and I remember um, seeing an interview with uh, Desiree Akhavan who um, wrote The Bisexual and is in it and directed it. She did everything. She also uh, wrote... Um, called Cameron Post that's about a gay conversion camp in America and um, she wrote that and, and she was in an interview because Maxine Peake was in the, the bisexual and somebody said uh, you know Maxine like how do you feel about representation of gay uh, being a straight woman playing gay she plays a lesbian in it how do you feel about that and then Desiree was like hang on hang on I'm going to answer this I think as long as the lens is authentic then it gives should give you room to change that and up to then I'd been a bit more like oh I feel like gay actors should play gay my mind changes a lot on this because 
I think as long as there is some authenticity attached to it, that's that's what I would like in terms of that. But I think in terms of like, so for instance, like trans people, in terms of like the Western ideal of of what is commercially beautiful or what is commercially acceptable of Western beauty standard of what a woman should look like, um, a trans like perhaps a non-binary trans person, uh, trans woman might not fit into that ideal. Therefore, when there is a trans part that is one of the few trans parts and then that's played by Jared Leto, you go, well, you won't put her playing a cisgendered woman, so where are you putting her? This, this trans actor can't go anywhere. Therefore, like in terms of trans uh, and, and lesbian or gay people who perhaps are, you know, like a butch lesbian woman or a, 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 a camp, I mean, I hate using all these stereotypes, but man or whatever, like in terms of how the world sees them, they might be like, well, you couldn't play anything else. But then when that part's played by Rooney Mara or whatever, whatever, you're going, oh, but you're saying I can't play a feminine character, but then you're also saying I can't play the character I am. Because you're, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. But essentially, everyone should be able to play everything. But when there is such limitation on some, on the way we see certain people, you should allow those people to have that opportunity but I do think it does affect mental health because I think um, yeah I think I think even in the industry like everyone keeps always says like oh the industry's so gay it's not it's really not actually like we're still telling incredibly heterosexual storylines we're still seeing LGBTQ storylines as different Um, so in terms of mental health like it, it that will always affect people and if, as long as you feel abnormal your mental health will be affected and we need to normalize that and make those spaces you know every i'm sure you speak to any gay person like they have to come out every day you have to like not in a big like facebook post but essentially when you meet a new group of people i have to question whether i'm going to mention my sexuality because we talk so easily about partners and stuff like that and I'm like and I will always have a little niggle in my head that goes are they going to be okay with this if I say my female partner are they going to be okay with this and at the moment with all the like thing with schools and and the yeah like taking out LGBT uh, education and but the problem is is that like and obviously I, I, I appreciate this from like my like from, I love the fact that like a lot of heterosexual people are up in arms about this but equally like when I now go on my Twitter in the morning I'm like sad because I'm seeing like oh you know even if they're like oh you know like I saw like the 98% this morning like posted something that was like oh, I can't believe this da 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 and I was like I like I don't know what their sexual orientation is, but I mean, like, when we keep talking about it, it's, it does niggle at your head as, as well, because you're like, oh, I'm feeling abnormal again, and I'm feeling like a problem. Yeah, the whole colour purple situation. Um, you know, essentially, if there, if there had been some statement released by her that was sort of saying, you know, I've said a stupid thing, whatever, like... I don't have those beliefs anymore then there could have been room to be like okay well maybe but then this also comes back down to the the the, the real representation of of queer people because essentially like 
what would have been nice is if that was just like played by a bisexual woman or a lesbian like and there was nothing around this but instead it's gone completely the other way that it is now was going to be played by like a homophobic person which is insane but i do think there are a lot of those people in this industry still that are craving to play gay roles or craving to play a trans person with absolutely no understanding of that because they think it's a push or a challenge or different and i and i think it's really important that those people start questioning their their motives and things because if you if you want to play something because it's tokenistic or whatever then then you're not really representing those people and there are people like me that will watch those things seeing myself in that person and the disappointment when the person playing that is either homophobic or they don't really care is so upsetting like and i just question why the hell did she take that role but i haven't said that in terms of mental health like I it was quite funny because my housemate came back and was like, I can't believe her. And I was like, I'm really worried about her. Me too. Because I was like, she's the, getting this hate. The, the backlash on social yeah. media was so intense, and that's enough to drive someone to suicide. That's what I like, worry about. But, it's, but then my friend equally said the other side of that is, though, if she really is that, that strongly that's in belief, she'll think that this was all meant to happen and it's fine. Exactly. So there is two. But I was like, I said that. I was like, I, I, I didn't comment on it on. Twitter the only thing I've put is about like other people that I know in the industry who are have said racist comments or homophobic comments and I'm like check yourself but in terms of her I was like I don't want to add to this because she's lost her job she probably isn't going to have much of a career now but but equally like yeah I had the same thing I was like oh my god her mental health like is she going to do something like that catastrophizing like "Ah," you know I do feel sorry though for for the curve and and for Tanuka and and all the all the people who are involved in it right now because you must when you've put somebody through all those auditions and it's gone through that process to then at the end of it some someone posts on Twitter and be like did you know this you must just feel so like they must feel such a responsibility now yeah but yeah so you also run a theatre company called Otherland, which is presenting the queer season beginning this April in association with the Actors Centre. Yeah. So how did this company come about? Multi, so, multi-person, so, uh, we're here with all the companies. Yeah. <laughs> so this was sort of like, um, so the John Four initiative um, is something that I, I was aware of through like the Black Trust season, mm-hmm. which is run by uh, Shirelsky and Shiloh Coke, and mm-hmm. they, um, and then, I knew that it was just, it was just essentially a, a platform to put on a type of work or a, a um, no a work by a certain sector of, of society and um, yeah so it, basically it's kind of came off the back of that and I approached my friend Ross that we went to drama school together and when we were at drama school we were the only gay people in our year and we felt like very out outnumbered when we were there that was yeah it, the, the, in terms of the sort of balance of lgbtq people in the school was was like not great um and we wanted to do something that was to promote queer queer companies and also for ourselves to connect with that with, with them and 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 find our community in london as well and um yeah so we sort of approached joel 
producer here and, and he was really on board with it and then we've basically been playing catch up ever since so we just sort of like asked to do it you we weren't really on board and then we were like oh we need a name and we like spent one evening like in Ross's kitchen arguing over our name but then eventually we're like yeah we like this like we wanted other land for us was like the motherland crossed with like something different yeah and that you know like I was saying before about feeling abnormal or whatever we wanted to play on that and be like but it's like a a safe haven sort of thing Um, and then yeah so we we've then been like been we've been sort of building up to the the season for like six months now or whatever because we've just been like putting it all together getting our logo getting everything like that and um yeah we our idea is basically we 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 want to create opportunity and work and platform for queer creatives but it doesn't necessarily have to be queer stories they don't the, the, the bottom line doesn't always have to be gay person struggles with being gay or trans person struggles with being trans like it can be like like my I would bloody love to go to the national and watch a kitchen sink drama where it's just two lesbian mothers and no one mentions it that would be the dream put it on do it yeah Yeah. but these it's it's who commissions these things who wants to see it but do you know what I mean I want to see it I want to see it yeah exactly so that's that's the aim of Overland um and I'm so excited about the queer season. We're like, we're, yeah. Is that on the twelfth? No, so it's, it's over three months. So it um, it goes from April the tenth up until uh, June the 29th and we have sixteen queer theatre companies coming in. Um, like some new musicals, some like spoken word drag type stuff, some like. Uh, more just like play plays and like yeah loads really real experimental theatre coming in yeah I know buzzing for it you're amazing you're great oh thank you so as we said at the start of the podcast we are gratefully sponsored by King Manual Therapy Stephen is a manual therapist who specialises in myofascial release and Scarlett and myself are both here with him at his clinic today hello Stephen hi Scarlett how are you feeling after your treatment I feel really really good I had quite a lot of back tension and neck tension I think you would say Stephen just kind of shuggled me all up that's a technical term <laughs> So it was something that I wanted to start in 2019 in order to look after my mental health as I carry quite a lot of stress around my body. Um, And Stephen's clinic is such a supportive, safe and funny atmosphere. He offers top banter as well throughout his treatments. It's been a really great thing to do in 2019 for me. And I went for a vocal massage last week and having put off going for vocal massages for years because I've heard about how painful they are, I can confidently say that it was completely pain-free and I felt so much better after it. And I think that there is a big link between looking after your mental health and looking after your physical health as well. So Stephen, if people would like to book in with you, where can they find you? So you can find me at kingmanualtherapy.com and there's a whole little booking system there. You can just schedule, come and see me, come say hi. We'll work out what we can do. And um, you can find me on Twitter. You'll find me, King Manual Therapy, and uh, Instagram, also King Manual Therapy. I feel like that's really unimaginative. (laughs) Make sure you check it out. So let's talk about balance. Um, It's always difficult to create a balanced lifestyle, especially as creative. How have you managed to juggle all these incredible creative outlets whilst being an actor, being you, having a personal life and 
not going crazy. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't ask me this actually because uh, yeah. no, no, no. It's just, it's just like it's quite ironic because you. This this interview's definitely come at a time where I, I'm like on the cusp of losing my my shit a little bit, but like, yeah, but like I'm I'm okay, but um, uh, yeah, I I think um. I'm not really that great at that, if I'm completely honest. Like, I'm trying to, like, learn to do that. But one thing that I've learned in the past few months is that I need to work out, like, my office hours. So one thing that we did with other land is at first when we were doing it, we were just WhatsApping all the time. We were WhatsApping at midnight and we were, yeah. Like us. <laughs> yeah, it, but it can get a bit crazy. And then eventually Ross was like right we're having office hours we're only allowed to what's up between 10 and 10 and that's still 12 hours of the day that are free for all but like it it has helped switch off at night um i think like i i mean google calendar it is my best mate it's color-coded and then it has my work and yeah that's brilliant so so you can clearly see you can clearly see what you've got for the week and and you can yeah so this has really helped me mm. i initially um, put in brackets on your question this might be able to help me and kathy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you do all this it's, yeah i but that helps me a lot because i can kind of see the week ahead i often write out um like what what i'm doing the next day so i'll like plan it vaguely and sometimes i won't stick to it but um and yeah I, I don't know like I'm really still trying to work that out because I'm definitely still like I've this past few months have been insanely busy um, and I'm building up to go on another acting job now so I'm like okay it's sort of yeah how do I now allow myself the time to do that um, but I think just sort of allowing yourself to have a night off I think is 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 the hardest but the most important thing like you said with Sundays like putting your phone in airplane mode and stuff and knowing that that is what people do all the time people in offices do that all the time you, people have office hours and yet we feel like we've got to be working 24 7 and then that gives you anxiety like yeah what if I miss something what something happens what if, like that's but, literally but, how my what brain are you works. gonna miss do you know what I mean like we're so silly with that because what are we gonna miss like a tiny thing that I do think that is also people though who are very like conscious of mental health or like are prone to like anxiety or like uh, catastrophizing or whatever. Like I'm a bit like that. So if if I don't sort something immediately, I'll I'll be like, it's gonna explode. But actually, it isn't. And you're no use if you're not healthy. If you aren't like, I mean, I'm literally like now reeling off advice that my girlfriend's been telling me like like for the past week like you need to calm down like i also think that that helps a lot is in an industry where everything is so up in the air like if you can have some sort of stability in that whether that's like like now i at the moment i work at a coffee shop which i love because get free coffee get free food but you know it's like yeah and it and it's and it really has helped me because before christmas i was doing like promo jobs and it was all quite erratic and i was like i need something where i'm like and there's something about being a barista where it's very meditative you you're doing the same it's manual it's like that i have found has really helped me yeah so i i I think some stability and like that's what people say about like having a steady partner or but like that's not always 
that's fucking hard yeah. do you know what I mean like and um but I think just and even just friendship like having steady friendships and and like cutting out the shit like if people are shit people like I don't know I'm, I'm sort of at an age now where I'm like I can't be bothered with people that I can't be bothered with do you know what I mean like actually assessing who's good for you and who like you know yeah it's just not a stable career like it isn't like well no it's an erratic career which is part of why we do it because we live off adrenaline but like there's got to be somewhere that you're like like I love my house as well like I love where I live we have a garden and like do you know what I mean like so that part of that is where I'm like yeah cool these things matter yeah yeah absolutely absolutely sure google calendars google yeah we need to get google calendar so what are your thoughts or tips to any creatives who are struggling to express their true authentic selves Ooh, watch queer eye (laughs) um, (laughs) oh i think question like if you're holding back from expressing yourself you've got to question what what matters to you in life like there was a big discussion that i had before graduating whether i was going to be like out or not um because people were like i was getting advice even from gay people being like if you're out it will affect your career and like and i'm like okay cool maybe i might not jump into this thing but if i can like have my partner at my press night or like or tweet about things I want to tweet about rather than being like filtered and not myself like that matters so much more to me so in terms of that authenticity with me it was a question of my mental health like am I gonna filter myself so that I am closeted when I've been out since I was 14 like yeah but I get it though because people are so ambitious and they want to get there whatever happens that they're like well that that's a problem that's getting in the way and you know and it has I think it has affected some people's careers which is stupid but like I don't know um in terms of being authentic though like I, I think we change all the time is the hardest bit with that so authenticity your authenticity today might be different in a month's time so it's always just about like checking in on how you feel and who you are and what you're comfortable with and um and knowing that like i would rather regret not not regret i don't regret stuff but like i would rather not get a job and be like at least i was myself than be like oh my god I really pretended to be someone else that day and I still didn't get it like I think it's so much better to just be like this is what I can offer do you want it rather than like second guessing everything I just feel like it's such a stress to do that Um, yeah and just like genuinely just like try and find ways to love yourself because I think that's really important and and yeah. yeah. I love that. And I also love your. I asked this question because of your and your Twitter name. And it just I says, am I am Georgia Foss. And I was like, I love yeah. that. Well, that was. was like, you are you. <laughs> yeah, but that was also because I created Twitter when I am Sasha Fierce came yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, that, that might seem really like, yeah. So that's why. But it was when Beyonce yeah. released I am Sasha Fierce and I just got yeah. Twitter and, and I was like, like I, I am Georgia Frost. <laughs> I was like, yes, I was like, 
still works. Yeah. Still, still works. Still yeah, works. People take the piss out of me. But I'm not changing it. I don't know what to change it to. But keep I've been it. that stage. Keep it. I love it. Yeah. Um, could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Depends what room. Yeah, yeah depends who's yeah. in it. Yeah, that's true. true. Yeah, that's true. We asked that at the end of every yeah. podcast. Yeah, fantastic. Amazing. We're gonna finish with another game. Oh my god! Yay! So this one's like a little less quick fire, but it's still quick fire. It's called finish the sentence. Okay. Okay. My go-to shower song is. Uh, oh, uh, "Honey" by Kalani at the moment. Um, mental health to me is. Um, very important. My not so guilty pleasure is uh, the American Office. <laughs> Fresh bed sheets make me clean. <laughs> A book I would recommend to everyone is. Oh, so bad at reading. Uh, oh, uh, why I'm no longer talking to white people about racism. Ooh. Really good book. Really good. My favorite TV series as a child was. Uh, the Wild Thornberrys. Oh, yeah. Or The Simpsons. Yeah. I love yeah. The Wild Thornberrys. It's great, wasn't it? What was her name, Eliza? You, yeah, but do you know that that's Gretchen from Mean Girls? Fuck the voice of it not. is the actress who plays Gretchen. Yeah. I'm going to have to go and watch that. Yeah, no, no. Oh. Once, you, once you listen back, I you're like, that. what? That and Hey Arnold were my yeah. go-to. Sorry, yeah. I completely took over your no, question. No, no, no. <laughs> um, visibility is? Visibility is... Colourful. Mm. I love the hands. Yeah, sorry, just a little pose. Colourful, yeah. I am fabulous because. <laughs> oh, uh, I am George Ross. I knew you were yes. going to say that. <laughs> you are. Oh, um, gosh. In the future, I want. Um. A nice house mm. and some kids. Where, where would you live? <laughs> Not in London. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do Scotland. I'll yeah. do yeah, yeah, Scotland. I'll do Wales. I'll do North England. Yeah. yeah. Not somewhere where I can. Yeah. With a little bit of city near, but some you can get childcare. Yeah. Because it's yeah. fucking expensive yeah. in London. Yeah. Yeah. Last one. Listen to Gemma on Apple Podcasts because. It's very empowering and it's always good to hear other people's stories uh, and see how you relate or if they affect your own or whatever. Yeah, Georgia, thank you so much for joining thank us. You. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, yeah. Guys, make sure you check out the Queer Season yes. at the um, Actors Centre. April to June. April to June. See you there. Amazing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. We wanted to make our listeners aware of the services that we offer. We are lucky to have the support of our counsellor, Mary Birch. Mary offers a private telephone or Skype service 24-7 and completely free of charge. She's also holding one-on-one sessions at a creator-friendly price of £25, so if you are interested, please get in touch. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button. You can also rate and review us on Apple. We want to reach as many creatives as we can, and this isn't possible without ratings from our lovely listeners. Share, tell a friend, and please continue to spread the word, as it really could help someone. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you very, very soon. Bye! Bye! Bye.